This is the Breaking Labels Podcast, and I'm Rosanna Gill. Each episode, we'll discuss labels that have confined the stories of my guests at one point or another and their journeys to thrive beyond them. Some labels are external, and others we put on ourselves as limiting beliefs. But regardless of where the label comes from, we're here to break it because we were meant for so much more. Hi everyone, before this episode begins, I wanted to let you know that there is some explicit language and content in this episode. So if you do not want to listen to this in front of your children, this would be the time where you stop it. Okay? All right, you've been warned. Okay, so this is a unannounced episode of the Breaking Labels podcast that I didn't know was going to be recorded until yesterday, Sunday, November 21st. The reason being, I um, I spent all Sunday doing some deep dive work on limiting beliefs, looking at my identity, how I view myself, and the changes I need to make, and the rooted core beliefs I need to rewire about myself. And I have been doing a lot of this work as of late, I would say in the last year, um, but it kind of came to a culmination yesterday when I thought I was going to be looking at generational trauma and if that had anything to do with my low value and low sense of worth that I have dealt with over the years. And instead of me making all these ties to generational trauma, what came up the most was this belief that I have avoided even really thinking about in all this work I've been doing recently. And that is the belief that I am damaged goods. And I have had that belief about myself since I was 19 years old when I found out I had herpes. Dang, thought I wasn't going to cry. But I've known for a while I would share it. I just didn't know when I was going to be ready. And It's just interesting to me how timing works that I was doing all this deep work on myself the last week. And um, last Thursday was the one year anniversary of me starting or posting the first episode of the Breaking Labels podcast. And I, I have to admit, I feel like a little bit of a fraud because I have shared a few labels of my own. I, the first episode is about my belief that I was just a pretty girl sidekick. And um, my story of always feeling like I was just the fat, ugly friend or just not worthy of being um, someone's first choice. And I have talked about the label of mental illness and growing up with a mentally ill parent. And I have talked about my dating history and how I struggled to really ask for what I wanted and really knew what I deserved. And all of that was true, but it was all also half-truths because the honest-to-God reason that I started breaking labels and the most painful label I have ever had to endure has been the label of herpes, the label that I gave myself of damaged goods. (sighs) Especially if you are watching this on YouTube. Thank God I have no followers on YouTube because right now you're just watching me cry. Um, anyway, so 
How did it start? Okay, let's go back to the beginning. And um, so here's the interesting thing about when I found out I have herpes. Like I said, I was 19 years old. I was in my, I guess, first serious relationship. We were fooling around. Now, mind you, we had not had vaginal sex. And I should also mention this is an explicit episode. I'm not going to get into like crazy stuff, but, you know, using the terms vaginal and oral sex. I don't know if you want your kids to hear this, but that's all it takes. And he had no visible signs. And two weeks later, now this is just the ugly irony of life. Two weeks later, I went to my best friend's wedding. And, um, well, without telling her story, got to see like the happy ending or the happily ever after that I thought, you know, everybody should want, which is you are a good girl and you do things the quote unquote right way, just like I was raised to believe as well. And you get married and you live happily ever after. And during the ceremony, I felt some pain and I'm thinking, oh, what is this? I cut myself shaving and then I um, went to the health department the next week when I got home and that they took some samples, did a test and said, you know, we're, we're going to wait for the official results. But yeah, it's, it's herpes. And I just melted into hysterics because I didn't know one that it was even possible to get an STD or an STI without having vaginal sex. I thought that was the only way. Note to all, not the case. And I was so hysterical that I saw the, the nurse get this very nervous look on her face. And she asked me, you know, do you need to talk to someone? Or are you going to be okay? basically like, do you need a therapist? Do you need a counselor? Because I was just, I was inconsolable. I, I was sobbing hysterically, just crying, probably screaming. I don't know. I don't really remember that. But I do remember when she said, you know, it's really not that bad. And I looked up at her. And I said, it is that bad. I was not raised like this. I've always been a good girl. This doesn't happen to good girls. So, you know, one of the things that happens um, a lot of, not a lot of times, but sometimes for children, if they grow up in situations where there's trauma or um, maybe things feel unstable to them, I'm not saying they were, but they felt unstable to me with you know, the family mental illness and, you know, never knowing whether it was going to be a good day or a bad day. Um, they tend to get into people pleasing or fawning, um, basically doing anything they can to make people happy so that they will be loved. And I learned very quickly that if I was a good girl, I mean, and I mean like a goody two shoes, that I would get all the positive attention I wanted. I would get love. And I prided myself on being a good girl and never doing anything wrong. And I got to be honest, it was very judgmental. You know, I was a Christian um, and I went to UMYF or youth group, I should say. Sorry, I was raised United Methodist. So I went to youth groups every Sunday and, you know, I loved going to church. I loved being involved. And, you know, of course God loves me because I do everything right. <laughs> and then I got herpes as virgin. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but I mean, karma, y'all. Um, so <laughs> I have to laugh now. And that's a part of the grieving process also is being able to laugh at something, being able to find humor in it. 
So here I am, 19 years old. I've never had sex, and yet I am the statistic. I am the one out of four. And they gave me all these statistics. I don't know if they're trying to make you feel better when you get diagnosed. I don't know. But I was like, well, I don't know who these one in four are because I've never met anybody. And note to you know, anybody listening, I have yet to really meet one in four. I've met a couple people over the years. Uh, it has not equaled one in four out of the humans that I have met in my age range. And it felt so horrible and isolating. And I remember feeling almost like there was no point. Not suicidal, but just this, well, I don't know who's going to want me now. And and I, I will say I did not blame my boyfriend at the time because he was just as naive about all of this as I was. But, you know, the thing about it is when you're the statistic and you have been raised to believe that your value comes from whether or not you are a good girl and when you have made that your identity, the gift of finding out I had herpes was that it gave me such a deeper empathy for other people and it allowed me to stop judging because I knew you could live as piously as you want and you could still be the statistic. You could still have a label that people think means that you're dirty or you're a whore or you sleep around or you have an entire lifestyle that you don't. And you could have that lifestyle that people judge so strongly and not have that label at all. So I got to the point where people would tell me like, oh, it's so easy to talk to you because you just, you don't feel judgmental. And it's because I, I really don't judge much, especially if it's anything to do with sex, because I don't know how I'm supposed to judge anybody. And, you know, fast forward all those years later, when I started breaking labels last year, and I, again, knew at some point I would talk about this. I knew I wanted to share it because I knew how alone I'd felt, how isolating it felt, but I just didn't know when it would happen. And I didn't know when I would be ready to. And I mean, I'm trying to think of the right way to, to, to lead into the dating part of it. I'm not going to say that I dated bad people. They were not bad people. As I've alluded to other times during different episodes, you know, I definitely made choices in people that I think were a reflection of how I saw myself. And if your core belief at that point is that you are damaged goods and you should be grateful for whatever you get, then you're probably not going to be treated as well as you really want to be treated. You know, there's this... um. I, I recently read this quote in um, Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements. And it's something that I just think everybody needs to hear. And it it stopped me dead in my tracks. And I had to read it a few times because I knew it to be true because I lived it. I would say that the first, I don't know, five to 10 years of my dating life were living this. And it's the limit of your self-abuse is exactly the limit that you will tolerate from someone else. If someone abuses you a little more than you abuse yourself, you will probably walk away from that person. But if someone abuses you a little less than you abuse yourself, you will probably stay in the relationship and tolerate it endlessly. There were numerous times in relationships 
or even if we weren't in full-blown relationships where we were just dating and I would see red flags and I would say, well, I mean, I really can't judge. Here I am. I've got herpes. I'm damaged goods. I should just be glad anybody's even willing to date me. When that is your standard. And again, I'm not saying anybody was a bad person. I, I actually don't really, I don't believe any of them were bad people. Just we wanted different things. And we had different standards at the time for relationships. You know, at one point, I was talking to someone and my worst fear happened. And I always prepared myself that, you know, hey, when you tell someone this, there is a 50-50 chance that they are not going to want to talk to you anymore. And it hurt. And it was always really hard for me to talk about it. But I also always put myself in their position where, listen, I didn't have a choice. I didn't know this was going to happen. I didn't have any knowledge that there was an option of this happening. And if I had, I don't know that I would have proceeded, especially at that point when I was so judgy and I thought I was just, you know, God's gift to perfection because I'm such a good little girl who gets all good attention. Um, So I always kind of took it as, well, listen, this is their choice. And as much as it may suck, it is what it is. But that is easier said than done. And I told someone and they stopped talking to me. And I just thought, okay, you know what? It is what it is. That's just the price you pay. Um, but then fast forward a few weeks and I see them out. We're all we're both out at a bar with our friends. And I mean, he won't even acknowledge me. He pretends he doesn't see me, won't even look in my direction. And it sucked. But I again I kept telling myself, listen, this is this is the price you pay. You know, this is just how it is and whatever. But what did upset me was later, um, I don't remember if it was that same night or a different night out. He told me, you know, I appreciate you telling me that and I'm sorry. And I said, I don't blame you for stopping talking to me. I get it. And he goes, no, that day that I saw you and I didn't talk to you, my friends noticed because, oh, by the way, I'd met his friends and, you know, we got along great and we all had a great time. So they're like, why aren't you talking to Rosanna? She was I, I don't know if they said I was cool or I don't know what they said, but they asked, why are you not talking to this girl that we met that it seemed like a really cool thing? And um, he told them exactly why. That stung because especially for it to be something I had so much shame about, it was hard to know that there were people who knew one side of this. Like you knew the label, you knew that, but you didn't know the rest of the story. And at that point, it was still really important for me to tell my entire story. The fact that I had gotten this as a virgin, the fact that this didn't come from hooking up with a bunch of people. um, I still really clung to that narrative because it was the closest I could come to still being that good girl that I had always identified as. So knowing that someone told my narrative, told my story in a different way, in a a way without any context was really scary. But luckily for me, one of his friends told him he was being a jackass and also reminded him that I didn't have to tell him that and, you know, shouldn't treat me that way or something to that effect. And I'm, I don't know which friend it was, but thank you. Thank you for that. Because he ended up apologizing to me. We were cool after that. We were friends. And it also gave me a little bit of hope. And even though I had dated people and people would, you know, obviously still date me, um, there was always that fear that like at any moment it was going to be thrown in my face, that at any moment, 
you know, other people would find out and judge me or look at me differently. And I mean, for years, a lot of my friends didn't even know. I didn't tell anybody that I didn't feel like I really needed to. And I, you know, I dated you in the last 15 years and you don't know, then, I mean, sorry, but that means I didn't think that anything was ever going to happen sexually because I was always very protective of who I dated and who I told because I knew that if I dated this person and told them that I had to have some sense of how they would use that information. You know, would they use it as a weapon? Would they use it to hurt me? And sometimes they did. I mean, not even just guys I was dating. I mean, somebody I loved very, very much used it against me in an argument. Actually, I think two did where, you know, it's, you know, me saying, well, I don't think the way you're treating me is right. And them reminding me, well, I'm the good guy in this because a lot of guys wouldn't date someone with your situation. And if you're listening to this and you have herpes or have had any STD, anything, and it may be, maybe it's not even an STI or STD, whatever it is, I don't care. If, if you've had kids and somebody has the audacity to tell you that you are not as good of a mate for them or a prospect because you have kids and that's baggage. Uh, disclaimer, I'm about to curse. They can go fuck themselves because whether it's an STI, an STD kids, no, no. And obviously I, I don't want to upset people that I just put kids in with an STD. I don't, oh gosh, Lord. Oh y'all don't run with that. I'm not trying to make a comparison to that, but I've had friends who I've heard say things like that, like, well, you know, nobody's going to want to date me because I have two kids and, you know, that's baggage. Bullshit. Bullshit. Anybody who uses something, whether it's a child or an STI against you, nah. Mm -mm. Now they can go on their way. That doesn't mean that they have to want to date you. That's fine. I'm not saying that they don't have a right to what they do or don't want in a partner, but it is not a reflection of your value it, it, at all. And it has taken me 17 years to say that and really believe it. 17, 17 years. That's my entire adult life. It is taking me to realize I am not damaged goods. Nobody has the right to call me that, not even myself. Because I'm not, regardless of what my medical intake form says. No. But I will say, something that has helped over the years, and it did gradually build my confidence. And I, I, I wish that it didn't come from the feedback of other people. I, that did help to an extent, I won't lie. And, and by that, I mean, you know, as I started to raise my standards and as I started to feel, you know, like... Um, Don Miguel's quote of, you know, you'll let people treat you just a little worse than you treat yourself. Well, as I began to love myself more, little by little, the standards that I had for the people I dated increased more and more. And what I wanted and what I expected of someone and how I wanted to be treated changed. And, you know, Maya Angelou has this quote that when you know better, you do better. And that is 100% true. But I've learned that it's not just that you do better, you expect more. And I am very grateful to every person I've dated who 
still let me feel loved and still would reinforce that I was valuable. And I wish that I hadn't needed that external validation, but I did at the time. And what the full circle for me was, was doing this work on myself over the weekend, realizing I don't want external validation anymore. And that's why I'm willing to talk about it. External validation will only get you so far. I know because for years, if I couldn't be the good girl, if I couldn't be someone that I thought someone would be proud to take home to mom and dad, then I was going to be the career woman. And I've always had big career aspirations. Ever since I was a little girl, I couldn't wait to have a, I didn't know what, but I wanted an important job where I could dress up and do my hair and makeup and wear beautiful clothes like my mom. I used to love to watch it get her ready. And to me, that was like, you made it. You're an adult. You get to work. You get to dress up. I, I've always wanted that, right? But I don't think it's a coincidence that I felt driven to make a certain amount and I felt driven to have a certain title and for that to almost feel like it was going to make up for it. Okay, I may be damaged goods, but at least no one knows that. No one has to know that. And I have this fancy title and I make more money than my parents did combined. Doesn't work. Does not work. Doesn't matter what your title is. Doesn't matter how much money you make. Doesn't matter how many people tell you you are worthy of being loved. If you don't figure out where those nasty, nasty beliefs are coming from, where they are and rooting them out, you're never going to really believe it. Not truly. Part of the reason I wanted to share this was because, you know, I will, I've I've shared before that I, I'm coaching now and I want to coach women and help others feel confident in themselves to go for whatever they want, regardless of what their story is, whatever, regardless of whatever labels they felt burdened by. And when I did this work and I was looking at this label of damaged goods and herpes, and I just thought, I feel like it's a little hypocritical for me wanting to help other people overcome their labels when if I don't talk about this, am I not still allowing it to hide in shame? Am I not still keeping it in the shadows because I don't feel that people would know this about me and still support me, still want to listen to the podcast, still want to be coached by me? And it just was crazy. You know, when you look, when you take a belief and you really look at it and you poke all the holes in it, and then you realize, no, if anything, not everybody, I get it, not everybody's going to respect this, but the right people will, and they'll understand what I'm doing in talking about this and why it's important and also why it qualifies me to talk about limiting beliefs. Listen, if you have spent your entire adult life thinking you are damaged goods and it has come in every way it can, whether not asking for what you want, people-pleasing, bad relationships, bad choices, bad friendship. I mean, any of it, all of it. If anybody knows how differently it feels to truly root out a belief like that, it's me. And man, everybody deserves to be to feel free. I don't care what your label is. You know, one of the things that I, reasons, one of the reasons that I wanted to start Her Path to Purpose, the second podcast, was because I wanted to interview women who have overcome these limiting beliefs, these traumas, 
you know, a lot of people I've talked to over the last year, not a lot, but I would say a decent amount of them, had sexual trauma, have been molested, have been sexually abused. And it's interesting to me how reckoning with those traumas, reckoning with these labels have actually propelled them, have actually helped them become who they are. It's helped them go down their path of purpose. Now, I got to be honest, if you'd given me a choice, I would not have really wanted the label of herpes to be a part of my path of purpose. I just wouldn't have. It's not something I would have chosen. I'm very grateful for it. Incredibly grateful for it. Because it's made all the difference in how I see people and how I understand people. And I know, I know when somebody is dealing with shame. I know when someone is sidestepping a question because they don't want to get into the pain of it. And I'm a, I get it. Boy, do I get it. I understand it. I sense it. I know it when I'm talking to someone. When they brush past a question or they don't want to go there. And I don't, I don't usually push it because, listen, I've been having these conversations for a year and I'm just now sharing this one. The deepest, ugliest label by my opinion at the time. And I wasn't sharing it. I wasn't telling anybody. Well, people who know me closely know that. I just decided I didn't want anybody else to control my narrative for me anymore. I didn't want people to believe a lie instead of knowing the truth. And I chose that for a long time at different points. Um, I remember at one point, in one way or another, I got the impression, could be wrong, I don't think I am, but I got the impression that there was a belief that I had hooked up with someone I worked with. And just from little things that were said, a couple text messages, just different things. And the truth was, I'd had a crush on that person years earlier when we had worked together. Um, but one, didn't pursue it. Um, I didn't think that they were really that into me. But two, honestly, <laughs> there was no way I was going to tell them this. There was no way I was going to put myself in a situation where somebody that I worked with was going to know this about me. Because at that point, I was just about to become a PR manager. Um, and not that it was such a big, important title, but I didn't know what was going to happen with myself at the company, but I was for damn sure not going to let this little thing be known about me and go with me. Like, I didn't know. Maybe at some point I want to be a director. Maybe I want to be a vice president of the company. I, you're not going to know this about me. You're not going to have this, like, back pocket information about me. So nothing ever happened. Well, fast forward years later, and I'm working with that person again. And that's when I realized or became under the, got the impression that there was an assumption or a rumor that we had hooked up when we had worked together years earlier. And it it bothered me, one, because again, that went against my good girl. You know, I am a good girl. That's my identity. I am always a professional. I am, you know, blah, 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 blah. And um, <laughs> I made a conscious decision at one point. And I remember driving and thinking about it. And it bothered me. But I also had the thought, I would rather everyone believe a lie than know the truth. So if that means that people think I've slept around, then 
so be it. The irony, right, that I would rather people think that I'm just hooking up with random people I work with <laughs> than to know that I wasn't hooking up with random people I worked with because I had herpes and I didn't want anybody to know about it. <laughs> I mean, you gotta just you gotta laugh at some point. I mean, it just comes back to how do you value yourself and you attract those situations. And when in my situation, I had this core belief that, you know, my value, I am not valuable unless I am a good girl. My value and my self-worth and whether I'm not a good girl is determined by my sexuality or whether or not I have sex, then guess what? You get more evidence for it, man. What you focus on grows. What you believe is true, always, always. And that's why for me, I've said it a few times now, it's important to talk about this and to say it's not true. It's no impact on my value whatsoever. But I get that some people think it will. And I get that some people are going to say, well, that's not possible the way it happened or, well, if you shared this, then why'd you have to talk about the fact that you were a virgin when you got it? Well, because I think there's something to that too. I think that there's something to understanding that no matter what the label is that people have, you don't know their story. I'm not saying that it makes it okay or that me having it with that story makes it better than if somebody else has. If Again, I think I said this earlier, but if you have slept with a thousand people and you have herpes, you're still valuable. You are. I don't care what anybody says. And this is coming from a Christian who, again, has had it said and heard it and believed it. You know, sex outside of marriage is wrong. Sex is wonderful, but it has to be in the sanctity of marriage over and over and over to the point. I mean, I decided in my late 20s that I was going to wait till marriage to have sex again. I want to blow the cover like I had had sex by that point. So this was like not me waiting, still a virgin. And what I struggled with in doing that was what, what good Christian man, because that's again, go make again, remember good versus bad man. You're going to hear that language a lot. But what good Christian man is going to want a woman who has herpes? Who? And even, you know, when I'm doing this and I'm, you know, abstaining from sex, I'm not having sex with anyone. It was still interesting to me, the, the messaging. I, I read this book, The Weight by um, uh, Reverend Devon Franklin. Uh, if you don't know, he's married to Megan Good. Um, they are a beautiful couple. I follow both of them on Instagram. I enjoy both of them. I like following them. It was a great book. But it was also a very tough book to read because it talks about the weight and why it's great and why everybody should wait till marriage to have sex. But one of the key points that they keep bringing up in the book was waiting till marriage means you don't get one of those diseases. And I just remember thinking, well, so what if you have that? What, what if you are by what I interpret you to be saying damaged goods already. Does that mean you shouldn't wait till marriage now? Does that mean you're not worth somebody waiting for? And I don't think that they meant, you know, they weren't trying to offend anybody who has herpes or any H STI or STD. I don't think that, but it's tough. I gotta be honest. It, is, it was really tough for me for a while to want to do that, to want to honor that 
but still, again, have this belief that I was damaged goods. And I have to tell you, one of the most amazing things that happened in this journey to getting over this and loving myself in spite of it was I spoke at a women's retreat at my church um, a few years ago or a couple years ago. It wasn't a few, but it was a couple years ago. I think it was within six months before COVID. And um, I was asked to speak. And I just knew as soon as I was asked, I knew I was going to say it. I knew I was going to talk about it because I knew at some point I was going to anyway, but I needed to work up to it. And so I did. And I mean, it was a whole lot of ugly, ugly crying, snot, tears, all of it, because I had never shared it publicly. And I'm pretty sure my roommate was in um, the room. I don't think at that point she knew either, actually. I don't think I'd ever even told her. And I was welcomed with open arms. I felt so much love when I shared that. And for it to come from a group of women was great. But more importantly for me at the time, for it to come from a group of Christian women was more important because I had always felt like kind of a hypocrite or a liar. Like I'm a Christian, but I'm, again, damaged. I am not the definition of a good Christian. And to have Christians actually do that thing that like God says, you know, where you take someone as they are and you just love them, that was amazing. And I wish everyone could feel that because whether it's a group of Christians or just other people, we all deserve to have a group of people, a community that loves us, regardless of anything that's happened to us, that we've done in our lives, any labels that we're burdened with. We all deserve to feel that kind of love and acceptance. So I hope that in sharing this, if you have herpes or have had chlamydia or what's another one, gonorrhea or HIV or anything, I don't care what it is. One, I hope you know you're not alone. And two, I hope you know that you are not defined by that diagnosis or the STI, nor are you defined by the way that society oftentimes would make you think that you should feel about yourself, that you're less than, that you're damaged goods. It's not true. Never was. Still not true. I'm going to have a Facebook and Instagram live uh, this Friday, which is Black Friday, so November 26th at 10 a.m. Eastern time. So if anyone wants to join me, if you have any questions, if you're curious about what it's like to live with herpes for 17 years, if you want to share, whatever, join the lives. Um, and also I will have in the show notes um, my custom insight link. So if you have a question that you want to ask anonymously that you would like me to answer during the live, I will do that as well. Um, I completely understand if someone doesn't even I feel comfortable watching the live because <laughs> you don't want to be associated with someone who has is talking about her beast. Completely get it. I take you wherever you are. I will meet you wherever you are. If you just want to send me a private message, that's great too. And if you know someone who is dealing with this, because apparently, like I said earlier, apparently one in four. I never meet anybody, but apparently one in four, y'all. So if you know someone who's a one in four, and you think it would help them to hear this episode, then please share it with them. 
just so they know they're not alone. They're worth it. They're loved. And they're special. If you haven't already, subscribe to Her Path to Purpose podcast because that comes out next Wednesday, December 1st. You can connect with me on Instagram. The link to my Instagram, my personal Instagram is in the show notes as well as the Instagrams for Breaking Labels podcast and Her Path to Purpose podcast. You can also email me at rosanna at breakinglabelspodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you. And I will see you around. 